Stranger Things Season 4 comes out, premiering with a massacre of children, as many of their fans wonder why they wouldn't edit that out considering the largest massacre in the history of Texas took place three days before the release of the season. As we take a look at the show and some of the concerns Christians should have if they're going to be watching it. And with all the chaos going around us, what should believers in Jesus be doing? Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the show Stranger Things, as well as hopefully giving an encouraging message related to Scripture when we see all of the chaos going on around us, when we see all of the wickedness, and really where our hearts should be directed at and where our energy should be directed at in terms of the purpose that we are supposed to be going towards if we are bent towards Christ, not only bent towards, but living for Him, dying for Him, and ultimately Him covering all of our sins. So with that being stated, I want to get into what recently took place at on May 27th when Stranger Things was released on Netflix. And a lot of their own fans are very upset, whether it's because they don't like the season after waiting three years to get it, or the fact that this entire show for season four started with a massacre of children. In fact, I'll read the description. About six minutes into the new season of Stranger Things, you start to hear screams, blood-curdling, terrified screams of children. Soon after, the camera tracks one shell-shocked character as he stumbles the halls, distraught as he trains his eyes on countless lifeless, maimed young bodies. Stranger Things Season 4 opens with a massacre of children. Now, most of you, I'm sure, are thinking this might be a little distasteful, considering that only three days before the release, that a number of children were murdered at the hands of a lunatic. And so when we see that and recognize that this is on Netflix, they could very easily have edited this out and made this not a part of the episode or whatever, you kind of wonder why this seems to happen all the time. If you don't remember when the Sandy Hook massacre and tragedy took place, none other than Kesha had the number one song on the radios. And what was that song titled? Oh, nothing other than Die Young. Bragging about Dying Young. And if you look at that specific video, she's actually a cult leader in it. In fact, you could go to this very YouTube channel and look up Kesha, the satanic cult leader, and see the over 1.4 million people that have watched that video and recognize, without a doubt, Kesha thinking herself a satanic cult leader in that video. And not only that, some of her tales of sleeping with ghosts and some of the other wicked things she has done. But nonetheless, to get back on Stranger Things, I think a lot of people not only being upset about this, but believers being upset, hopefully, about the nature of using so much of, I guess you would say, close to witchcraft material, obviously having younger kids involved in the show. That's a lot of the shtick there. And the most recent season also dealing with the quote-unquote 
satanic panic and using Dungeons and Dragons and the Hellfire Club to help them bring this out. And a lot of people, sadly enough, have brought that to Good Fight Ministries. Hey, you guys are just a satanic panic group. But the truth is, is when you look at Good Fight Ministries, this is why we document everything. This is why we quote from the very articles, from the very artists, from the very lyrics that we're dealing with so that we don't like to give some narrative of what the artist may be trying to say in our opinion, but simply let them let you know what they're all about by the own material that they are bringing. Where the satanic panic that was really, really, uh, I guess you would say popular back in the 80s had to do a lot with the understanding that people were being held in cages, which is still happening today, by the way. I'm not talking about the satanic panic, but there are more slaves on the earth today than there has ever been in history. And a lot of those of the sexual variety in sex slavery, because that is exactly what it is. And it's just absolutely heartbreaking. In fact, there was just a recent discovery of over 70 different young girls, I believe, that were found and saved in Texas. But nonetheless, this very story that we're dealing with here, and I I really do believe when it comes to shows like Stranger Things, which are really popular, I think that is a very common t-shirt that you've seen over the years, whether you're walking by high schools or junior highs, and this is a very, very popular show. And I don't think it's an accident that they use this whole satanic panic idea to make it look like any sort of exposing, I guess, of this wickedness is satanic panic. And as I said, I know that Pastor Joe Schimmel, while interviewing for our recent series on Marvel, that's what he was asked. This isn't the satanic panic stuff, because a lot of people are very ignorant, and they simply think that when it comes to exposing wickedness and showing people the wickedness behind it, by the way, if you're watching things like Doctor Strange and watching occult material and watching witchcraft or Harry Potter and just saying, well, this is fine, it's a great parallel to Jesus, I'm telling you right now, you're missing the boat, and it's absolutely wicked to sit there and look at things like that and say, I'm going to redeem it and I'm going to make it my own and give it its own narrative and make it Christian. It's ridiculous. And nonetheless, when it comes to those things, we need to make sure we are not loving and being entertained by the very things that God hates. And I believe that God hates things that send people to hell. So contacting demons, whether you think it's on the upside down or whatever nonsense you're calling it, contacting spirits in other dimensions is contacting demons. And it's parallel precisely to what the Bible talks of, of necromancy. It's paralleled precisely what the Bible talks of, of meeting with mediums, which according to first Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13, that's exactly why the first King of Israel was put to death by God himself because he was consulting a medium. So this is important. And A lot of people think, oh, it's this season four, and a lot of people are mad about how long the episodes are. They got a lot of complaints when you look at the critics and so forth. But when you actually look at it, Stranger Things, like many shows, or even in the Marvel Universe now coming out with their first horror film with Doctor Strange, over and over again, you see that these shows get worse and worse and worse in terms of a moral or ethic uh, ground. Not not to mention, when we just look at the profanity and blasphemy, how every single season, and the numbers aren't out on this season yet, there's still two episodes to come out, I believe on July 1st, and here are some of the numbers in terms of how many pro, profane statements are made 
from season to season. In season one of Stranger Things, there was 163 uses of profanity. A hundred of nine of those were profane words and 54 of them were blasphemous statements. Then we get to season two and you have 310 total profanities, 223 of foul language and 84 blasphemies. Then we get to season three and it moves up to 357 total profanities, 247 profane language and 110 blasphemous statements. And this seems to be the progression of many shows and so forth. Definitely when we're talking about Netflix and this is the progression. But if we even go back to season one, we can see very clearly that paranormal witchcraft is being talked about. In fact, a prominent prop in season one was the Christmas light Ouija board used by Ronona Ryder's character, Joyce Byers, to contact her son, who is in the Upside Down. Blink once for yes, twice for no. Can you do that for me, sweetie? Okay, baby, talk to me. Talk to me, where are you? R, good, 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 good. That's good, come on, come on. I, G, H, T, H, E, R, E, right here. Oh, well, this is just all fun and games. They're playing around with Ouija boards all season long, starting in episode number three. But in fact, they didn't stop there in playing with it during the episodes. They even sold this at places like Target. This is actually the description of the Ouija board from an article on The Independent covering the Stranger Things toy. The latest spooky edition takes inspiration from Joyce Byers' use of the Christmas lights to make herself a Ouija board on her wall to communicate with her missing son, Will, stuck in a parallel dimension. Daring players can now communicate with their own dimension known as the Upside Down to unlock secrets of the mystifying world. A spokesperson for Hasbro said, Supernatural forces were uncovered. A young boy was rescued from a parallel dimension and monsters, both human and otherworldly, were defeated. Gather around the Ouija Stranger Things Edition game if you dare and unlock secrets from a mysterious and mystifying world of the Upside Down. Inspired by the Netflix original series, Stranger Things, this game board features the alphabet spelled out of the Christmas lights like the iconic light wall scene from the show. Summon the courage to ask the Ouija board questions about what happened in the Upside Down as well as anything else you would like to know. And in fact, people were not only buying this and giving reviews on the Ouija board and how it worked, but BuzzFeed actually got together three of their contributors and actually played with it and think that something actually happened. Here's what they had to say regarding it. Yes, Hasbro just released this really cool Stranger Things themed Ouija board. And yes, we decided to risk our lives by asking it questions about season two. The game comes with a board that looks like Joyce's painted wall alphabet, which when you think about it, is basically a Ouija board itself. And some very Stranger Things themes instructions like, never use the Ouija board if you don't believe in the upside down. 
Never use the Ouija board near Hawkins National Laboratory. Never use the Ouija board alone. Have your best buddies around. Of course, you got to bring your friends into the Ouija board f- fun and make sure they're involved with demonic materials. I've played with the Ouija board once. I don't fuck with the Ouija board. I'm Catholic. I'm like a comfortable level of okay and terrified. Is there a spirit here? For the record, I am not. For like, I am not pushing it. Neither am I. Okay. Well, clearly it's on yes. Yes. Will there be justice for Barb? It says oh, no. Barb. Sorry, Barb. Will Nancy end up with Steve or Jonathan? Oh, it's like on a mission. Oh, it's Yay! a day! Will Mike and Eleven end up being back together? Yay! Yay! It says yes. Will like Joyce and Hopper end up hooking up? This is a little sad, to be it's honest. A very adamant no. Are any of the main characters gonna die? This thing is just filled with terrible news today. Yes. Wow. Give sure. us the first letter of the name of the character that will die this season. Does this thing go back to no? I mean, I don't blame it if it doesn't want spoilers. Wow. Okay, so this spirit is very conscious of spoilers. And they go on to talk about the Ouija board and all the questions that they asked it and nonsense. And they're not the only reviewers. There's a number of them on YouTube using the Ouija board and then acting and talking about all the different things that the spirits from the other dimension are telling them. By the way, if you're in contact with spirits from another dimension, those are demons. That's that's those are those are demons. In fact, I remember seeing a meme a long time ago that said, oh, wow, you have to be 18 or older to vote, but only 13 to talk to a demon. And that had to do with the selling of Hasbro was doing of Ouija boards. But I want to get into what the Bible actually says regarding Ouija boards, because I do believe this is of some importance when you're watching shows and being entertained by shows that really are using Ouija boards to talk to people in other dimensions where there's monsters and so forth. Leviticus 19.31 says, Do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out, and so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord thy God. Leviticus 20, verse 6, If a person turns to mediums or to necromancers, whoring after them, I will set my face against that person and will cut him off amongst his people. Now, I have to point this out. While we're reading this, while we're understanding that this is what God says when it comes to, to these demonic materials. You may think it's fun in games. You may think it's really goofy. You may think, oh, this is just me having fun. Guys, that's not what the Bible describes. We are not supposed to have anything to do with this. If you think it's fun to read horoscopes and all of this nonsense from fake magi and so forth, guys, I'm telling you this right now, you are playing into Satan's hands. You are minimizing the reality of spiritual warfare You are not maximizing our understanding of God's word and the seriousness behind this stuff. And you're really not testing the spirits to see if they're from God because you can know they're not from God because they already go against what God has clearly said in his word over and over. And I want to mention this because in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, when it talks about, and and I love Revelation 20 and 21, we have this victory. We get to have every tear wiped away, right? Four verses earlier in this very chapter, there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, and God will wipe away every tear from our eye. Isn't that amazing? 
But what about for those who go into the second death? But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in that lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And so when you see those, when you really line those up, you got to ask yourself, are these the things that I am being entertained by? Are these the very items that are keeping me entertained throughout my nights and days? Are, am I meditating on these things? Because if I'm meditating on the very thing that are that is going to hinder people from coming into the kingdom of God, I need to check my heart. I need to say, if you're watching that, would you be comfortable? Because you're supposed to have the Holy Spirit inside of you as a believer. And would you be comfortable if Jesus was sitting bedside while you're going to bed watching this these shows and say, oh yeah, this is totally fine. Jesus would sit here and, and, and laugh it up with us. I think a lot of times that if we actually took that assessment, we'd say, no, he would not be happy with what I'm watching and what I'm getting involved in. And when I'm looking at something that I got to be honest with you, I'm not a Stranger Things fan. I haven't watched the show since the very beginning. In fact, I never watched the show except for the scenes that I had to look at in order to do the research for this very project and this very episode that we're talking about. And when it comes to this, and when I see something like that, it's very interesting to me that so often when you have a situation just like this, where you have a show coming out three days after a massacre, and it just so happens that a young person kills a bunch of other young people, and that is how you open the season that has been waiting for three years for their fans to watch. And it's it literally parallels so much of what just took place only three days prior. And if you don't think that the prince of the power of the air doesn't work through the sons of disobedience, and don't get me wrong, the creators of this of this show, the writers and directors of this show, absolutely, they are of the prince of the power of the air. In fact, they're part of a, an interesting short film that they helped write the screenplay for called Road to Moloch, which is literally, when you watch it, it's just demons. It's a, like a 16-minute short, and it's U.S. military in the Middle East, and next thing you know, you have demons saying something into their eyes and encapsulating them, them coming demon-possessed and then killing their own soldiers. And these are the short films. This is what these people are involved in. And we're watching that and that's just okay. And this is all just fun. And this is, guys, we need to actually check our hearts and say, where are we at when it comes to this stuff? When this is what I'm entertained by. And does God really, is he really glorified in the things that I'm doing? Am I crucifying my eyes also to the cross? Am I making sure that I have kingdom minded goggles on so that when I'm watching these things that I'm making sure I'm being edified and not actually being desensitized and throwing things off to the side. Oh, it's not really demonic. It's not really uh, wicked. It's totally fine. Watching vampire shows and people biting necks and, well, there's a great love story about it when it's fornication and weirdness. Guys, this is serious stuff, and I don't mean to get upset, but it does upset me that people think that they can watch these things. They can just sit there and be entertained by them, and then guess what? It's no big deal. It, it has no effect on them when you're not laying aside every sin and the encumbrance that so easily entangles you, and you can't be running your race with endurance, and you're sitting there having concrete slabs of stranger things keeping you from running your walk with Christ in the aggressive manner that you should 
towards that goal, towards the onward prize. I, I just think it's really important. I'm not saying people are going to hell for watching certain shows. I'm just saying maybe we should see where our um, you know conviction meter is and, and check that out and, and, and see where you're at with the Lord. But nonetheless, this brings me to another point. I had I, I got to be honest. When it comes to doing 5.11 News, I want to tell you what the purpose of this show is. The purpose of this show is to fulfill a need that I, when I was working full-time at my job before getting into ministry, that I would have loved to have. I wanted to have some resource that when news stories come up, that I say, wow, that's really interesting. And I want to be able to express it and take that news story and be able to express it to my coworker when they ask me questions in a biblical manner, one, and two, figure out ways to get it back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I can tell you this, and I'm sure for you guys at work, when you have what they call water cooler talk and so forth, a lot of times it goes back to this. Hey, did you see that thing about this? Did you see that story about this person? Or did you hear about that pastor that fell? Or did you, what do you think about season or episode one of Stranger Things? Whatever it may be. And for you to not sit, sit back and not know what they're talking about or to not have a biblical understanding of what they're talking about or see it through those lenses, I hated that. I wanted to make sure I had a biblical answer for any question that was coming up. So I always pray that when we do this, this show, that I can try to give you the very thing that I would have wanted as a young believer at the workforce, being able to answer those questions. But looking at some of these stories, they're heartbreaking. I just watched a video and somebody posted of a middle school in Illinois, and they have drag queens doing a show for the entire school. And you see these wars and rumors of wars. You see people struggling. You see people hurting. You see the pain going on in so many people, and it's heartbreaking. And it and it it has to bring us back to a place of okay, but what does the Word of God say regarding all of this? What does God have to say? regarding these times that are tough. And I think 2 Timothy 3, I think that's something that you can implant in your heart, you can be reminded of it, but if this doesn't remind us of the the generation that we're in, I I, I don't know what does, because this, this set of scriptures, talking about the end times, and you think about what the letter is, give the context of its background, being probably the last thing that Paul wrote, writing it to his predecessor, somebody he was teaching, somebody his child in the faith in Timothy, and he's writing this letter. This is the last thing he's going to be writing out to him, and he's telling him the importance of getting into the Word of God. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, it talks about the importance of the Scriptures, making sure we understand that it's God who ultimately wrote them, and the backdrop of that is the wicked generation in the end times. And this is what it says. But realize this, then in the last days, difficult times will come. Or I believe the King James says perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of self. I mean, you deal with pornography, narcissism, so forth. The lovers of money. How many people have, specifically fathers in this nation, I don't know about you guys, but around us, how many fathers are completely away from their children? Their children don't really know them. They only come by and they're just a part of their life rather than dying to self and making sure that they're provided for, because the Bible says, Jesus specifically said, you're worse than a non-believer if you don't provide for your own. But you're so busy trying to make wealth, you care so much about that your wife is put off. You're so busy caring about wealth and all of these things that your children don't know you. And because you want to be a lover of self and a lover of money, that stuff's dangerous. Boastful, arrogant, revilers. Then you got the kids, disobedient to parents. 
ungrateful. Talk about an ungrateful generation. Woo! It's it's crazy out there, right? Unholy, without a doubt, right? Even in some of the professing churches, unloving, irreconcilable, trying to meet with people, and they're not even willing to be reconciled one with another. And some of these offenses could be just a misunderstanding, and people get to a place where they're irreconcilable. They're malicious gossips. Instead of actually praying for that person and bragging about who they are in Christ— So often, instead of being someone who confronts somebody one-on-one with the Word of God, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 clearly tell us that the Word of God should be used for a rebuke and sharing them with the Word of God where they're off, instead of doing that, we say nothing to them face-to-face, but behind their back, we're malicious gossips and say, and I don't want to say we because I don't think every believer does that, but it can happen because it's a fruit of the flesh and those things can take place without self-control. And I think of gossip uh, you know, money loving and all of this stuff deals with lacking in self-control because self-control is the fruit of the spirit. This is a fruit of the flesh. Brutal. Think about some of the videos that people put out, man. I'll tell you this, when it comes to good fight ministries, we may put out a video. We may be at set with wickedness without a doubt. We're never going to get to a place where we no longer blush at sin, but guess what? I love the people I disagree with, and I do not want to see one person that we've rebuked. I don't want to see one person we've exposed as wicked. I don't want to see one of them not make it into the kingdom of God. My goal is for all, as Jesus's goal is, as God's word says in 2 Peter 3, 9, he is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's our goal. That's what we want. It says that they're haters of good, treacherous, reckless. By the way, God's love is not reckless. Just remember that. That's a heretical song by someone who likes Richard Rohr, but that's for another episode. Conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I think that, That right there could just describe porn addiction if you really get down to it. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, where pleasure becomes your God over the God who loves you, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. And the way Jesus described the end times, there's a long list. You can go there uh, to Mark chapter 13, but here's what it says in verses 19 and 20. For those days will be a time of tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the creation, which God created until now and never will. Unless the Lord had shortened those days, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the day. And so we see what the ultimate end will be, that God will save us. God will redeem us. Just as those in Thessalonica were wondering, well, when will this happen? When will God redeem us? In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 tells us how God will redeem us, that he will come and redeem us from a, he is the ultimate avenger of what's going on to the believers, especially our brothers and sisters in other countries that are being massacred all over this, all over this world and being subjugated and imprisoned. But he loves us. And guess what? Here's what I love. Colossians chapter 1. When it talks about why we should live for Christ, why we should walk in him. Colossians chapter one goes back to the preeminence of Christ to give us the backdrop of why we should walk in a manner worthy, so to speak. In verse 13, it says, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn most preeminent of all creation. Don't let the Colts get you on that one. 
For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The very atoms that we have today, the protons, the neutrons, and the electrons, they're held together by the Lord Jesus Christ. He made it all. He is above all. And guess what? We can trust what's going to take place because we can trust in him. It's not by our own strength. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And because of how good he is, I know I can place my trust in him no matter how wicked the world gets. And I make sure my love doesn't grow cold, but it grows stronger and stronger for the lost, for my brothers and sisters in Christ, and ultimately the most important for my God. This has been Chad Davidson. This is 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.